Welcome everybody to Mixed Reviews Podcast, a racially diverse podcast. Um, I am your host, Paige, and I have my lovely co-host and equal co-host. That sounded... Sasha, introduce yourself. Yeah, damn. Wow. Okay. We'll pretend <laughs> like you don't. You cut the episodes and upload them and run all the accounts. <laughs> I just Mike. started talking. <laughs> I know. No, it's fine. It's Sasha, by the way. <laughs> it's Sasha, by the way. Yeah. So, Paige, I'm actually in J Tree. So, I mean, if you want to come, link, uh, hit me up when you're free. I'm, I'm in Joshua Tree. It's Sasha, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> I, this so wait uh, we haven't said the movie um we haven't this is this is a first for page this is one of my all-time well not all-time favorites but i fucking love this movie i think it's great this is ingrid goes west from 2017 so it's actually a pretty new movie but i think it's aubrey plaza's best i'll, I'll agree with you there it definitely it <laughs> paints aubrey plaza as a much better actress than she's ever painted herself to be yeah that's she's utilized very very well because it utilizes her style of like delivery because she's got that very dry humor and i feel like ever since parks and recs people have just been recycling like the april ludgate character and recasting her and recasting her and recasting her where like Mm -hmm. ingrid definitely plays off of that vibe but it is a totally different character and like a totally different way to use that style of acting from like yeah it's almost like if if you took the april ludgate character and like if she was actually real what it would be like yeah like if she gave a shit <laughs> yeah exactly yeah or it'd be like this actual insane person that you'd need to call the cops on but we were talking about ingrid goes west should i try to summarize this movie yeah because you see it's your first time so i want to know what your your initial thoughts are it's always an interesting so, movie to have to see people's reaction to uh, my my personal thought is this is a movie with no message because it's not applicable to anybody in real life. <laughs> it's or at least if you do know anybody like this in real life, you should not be talking to them anymore, for, ever. But it's a it's I I kind of view it as tongue in cheek taxi driver. Like if I again a movie both you and I have never seen, but you know taxi driver is a, a psychopath character study, and this very much is that. But it, almost if it was told from the point of view of a millennial like if a millennial redid taxi driver and they had a fetish for california that's what this movie would be (laughs) basically it's very it's not the movie i thought it was gonna be what do you think it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be way more quote-unquote fun Oh, yeah. <laughs> this movie's not fun. This movie is very sad. I just spit on my This movie's like uh, a borderline horror movie when you get to the end of it. Like, when you, like, look at the way it's it's cut and, like, the way it's put together and the characters yeah. in it, it, like, borderline becomes, like, like grounded in realism horror, which is so creepy to me. <laughs> yes, but, and it's, 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 I, I have very mixed feelings on this movie. Uh, full disclaimer, I bought this movie. I completely bought it, expecting it to love it. I did love it, but I don't think I loved it for the right reasons. I loved it because it was very refreshing. You don't see movies like this very often. No, I don't I don't think I've still seen a movie like this. So like, I'm, I can't I'm think happy of many I, films that I, I would equate to this. Yeah, I'm happy I bought it, um, but I don't think I will ever watch it again. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> because it just it wasn't i was expecting like quotable fun crazy what it is i think I so was, oh my I gosh think if I, I think this movie's I so if, quotable i think if i rewatch it i probably will but it was it was so much i was expecting i had my notebook next to me ready to write down one-liners and i just ended up like staring at it like wide-eyed I want to start like, this breakfast, this like bed and breakfast boutique, and inside there's a shop, but like in the shop it's just all things that I own. So it's like my Instagram, but it's for sale. And get this, it's called Desert Door. <laughs> Spelled stupid. <laughs> Desert. I do have a question. Was this the inspiration for you to move to California? Oh, 100%. Because this fetishizes California to like it a, fetishizes, the ninth degree it fetishizes essentially like social media culture like that's why i think it's funny that you hit this isn't applicable and i feel like because it's not applicable it is applicable because it's so far out of the realm of reality you can only pull like metaphorical like symbolic messages from it so in that regard i feel like it, it gets it's totally like relatable maybe and, like, applicable maybe, maybe to multiple it's people 
Yeah, maybe it's because you live in California and I live in Michigan. Uh, in Michigan, you don't get like Instagram divas here. There's nobody like that here. Yeah, I mean, but it's not, but they, they, they exist. I feel like that's kind of the point of this movie though, is like none of them were from California. They just go there yeah. because like that's, that's what you do. You go to Joshua Tree to go on Instagram. You have these profound paintings that say hashtag squad goals. I like the one that said hashtag blast the most. <laughs> uh, I paused it to look at that. I was like, I would buy that. Would for 1200 bucks, hashtag- definitely. Yeah, 1200 bucks. Sure, why not? Pocket money. Um, but uh, yeah, so to get into what this movie's about. So Aubrey Plaza plays Ingrid, who's this very mentally unstable individual. They don't really say like what it is that's wrong with her. She's just kind of a compulsive stalker. Yeah, which I sat there thinking, like, is it, like, histrionic? Is it borderline? Like, what is going on? Or is it just, like, kind of... She's absolutely insane. And I did not think she was going to be as... I thought she was going to be fun crazy. Yeah, there's definitely a point. Yeah, there's a point in, like, the third act where it can definitely... And I think that's what makes this movie stand out to me as far as, like, its ending. Because, like, there's a point where it definitely could pivot and Ingrid could, like, become a normal protagonist with, like, a redemption arc. And it could be a nice cookie-cutter, like, you know, gal pals movie. And it does the exact opposite and just doesn't take that route at all and just kind of plunges you like deeper and deeper down this like mentally unstable hole that she's kind of created for herself to be in. Or was born with like who knows like it it honestly I guess yeah again this episode is going to be a lot of me talking and digesting my thoughts because I literally just finished this movie. So, yeah, with you saying that, it does it does paint a better picture of, like, pulling the allegories that may or may not be intentional, where it's, like, if you do have this level of en- mental illness, there really isn't a happy ending. It's just something you cope with and deal with yeah. and probably fall down some rabbit holes, which this, this very much does. Because, yeah, like you said, in the third act, it starts to wrap around, and I sat there going, oh, this yeah, is, there's this a is moment. nice, overcoming your... Overcoming your mental illness, and then it's just worse. Yeah. It's just so much worse. Which is actually, like, um, that was my first uh, experience with Requiem for a Dream. There's, like, mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, now when I, like, knowing the movie and knowing Darren Aronofsky better, like, there's obviously never going to be a happy ending. But there was a point in that movie where I thought these characters are going to get a redemption. Like, they're going to come out mm-hmm. better on the other side because there was still room for that to happen. And they just yeah. keep slipping down for, like, the rest of the movie. Um but yeah, to, to sum it up, so yeah, Aubrey Paz is super mentally unstable, so she's like a compulsive stalker, and what she does is she goes on Instagram and like finds like these random girls to like just stalk on Instagram, and like basically tries to become them. So she finds this one girl, Taylor Sloan, who's played by Elizabeth Olsen, who's in California. Which, su- surprise, Elizabeth Olsen is in this movie, right? which I also didn't know. I was shocked to see her. It was, that's this, I think this is actually like the first role I've seen her in. So like when I saw her in the Marvel movies, I was like... I know you. I know you from something. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it's fucking Taylor from Ingrid Goes West. Um, <laughs> so yeah, after Ingrid's mother dies and leaves her like $60,000, like she she moves all the way across to California to like start this life. I also like the way that they like talk about her money. Because like the $60,000 is a very finite amount of money, but like she throws it around like she had, because like she obviously has nothing else to do but just, like, throw yeah. this money around. So, like, eventually, at the end of the movie, she, like, burns through all of it, and she, like, actually in has like, to f- feel the consequences. In one go, she burns through $50,000. Well, to be fair, she has to pay for, like, the truck that she fucks up. She bought, She buys that house. She puts all of her money into that one house that she buys because Taylor wants it. Yeah, th- that's where she burns yeah, the 50000 yeah. But I was shocked when she dumped the 50000 at the end of the movie. I'm like, how do you still have $50,000? If, if you think about it, though, if you put into... Because I actually, last time I watched the movie, I did, like, to, like do the math. Like, how much money you hear her spend. It does it does add up to be about, like, she spends about 10000 So she would still probably have about 50000 left. Damn. I, that was cutting it close then. Because I was like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way you have 50000 um, But you see her, like, eat fast food. Like, she only eats fast food. I mean, yeah, she lives in California. You can't afford anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um. I will say she she manages to meet Taylor in like the most <laughs> fucking schemey plan that I've yet to see like better in a stalker movie where she steals her dog out of her house. 
And the dog is never seen again yes, after it is. his return. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's in, like, the background a little bit. Yeah, Rothko. Um, but, yeah, so she steals this fucking dog and then takes it home and then waits for them to put wanted dog posters up so she can return the dog and be like, I found your dog. And they're like, oh, my gosh, wow, thank you so much. So that's how the friendship starts. Like, this is the beginning. I mean- and it only goes down from here. Part, part of me, when I saw that dog plan, I was like, that is crazy, but also Bravo. That would work. <laughs> like, well thought That's out. That's also, like, kind of a fun deep cut, because everybody in Los Angeles owns a fucking dog like that. Like, everybody. It's also, like, kind of an inside joke in um, Under the Silver Lake, which takes place in Silver Lake. But, like, there's, like, a dog murderer, and it murders, like, people who are, like, murders, like, people who are walking their dogs. Because, like, there are, like, literally every time I go outside, there's somebody walking their dog. I walk past at least one person walking their dog every single time I leave the house. Like, there's that many. So I think that's that's fucking funny. <laughs> it's a nice little California joke. Um, f- what's his name? Ice Cube's son? is in it and he's a masterpiece is that the that's her wait, boyfriend dan. Da- dan yeah that's ice cube that's son. Ice, ice cube has a son yeah you can't tell look at him he, he played ice cube in straight out of compton he did yeah no i had no idea yeah he's great dan's the best character he in is this great whole movie. I, I saw him i was like i've never seen this dude in my life but he's a natural he's so good <laughs> Him and his uh his vape pen. That was like when this when I first saw this movie. That was like when people vaping in movies was kind of like original. Like it hadn't been yeah. done before. So <laughs> every time he just like takes one of those like angry huffs of his dab pen, I lost it. It's the funniest shit. I love it when after uh she so at one point she asked to borrow his car. And she gets like she goes on this bender with Taylor after like faking a friendship and like camaraderie with her, and they do a bunch of coke and get in like a kind of a car accident. She scuffs the entire side of the truck. She returns the truck to Dan, who she borrowed it from, and then for like twenty minutes of the movie, it's him just like glaring at her. <laughs> There's one point where he pulls the curtain and he's just looking, looking at her he's and the then best. closes it back. This is probably like one of the darkest dark comedies that still yeah. still technically falls into comedy but it gets it gets rough um <laughs> so yeah dan's her like landlord slash he kind of becomes her boyfriend because she manipulates him a whole lot to to get oh, yeah. shit they also have the best sex scene ever caught on film yeah <laughs> i was thinking that too it's- the point where she licks him from like beard to hairline <laughs> I was like, why is this hysterical and sexy? How did you manage to pull this off? So, of, of course, you have to have, because you have your California movie, <clears throat> and then these are these people are all tropes. So Dan's obviously the aspiring screenwriter. Which I love. <laughs> Which, yeah, and I love that he's specifically a Batman, a Batman, like, enthusiast. He only wants to write Batman screenplays. Um, so their one, like sex scene he makes her dress up like catwoman and call him of which it's very clear she has no idea who yeah catwoman not is. at all she's like, she's like doing the Halle berry like she's just like slinking around and like petting the walls <laughs> and they're like both basically fully clothed but it's incredibly intimate <laughs> it is one of the most bizarre sex scenes i've ever seen but it's so funny He's wearing, like, a sweatshirt and, like, jeans and a belt. And she has just underwear on. And then she's yelling, fuck me. And it's like, you have, like, four layers of clothing to get off before that even happens. No. No. He's got to wear the suit. He's like, tell me Gotham needs me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He makes her call him Bruce. Gotham needs you, Bruce. (laughs) But she's here for it. You know, whatever she needs. That's, That's the thing about April. Not April Lundgate. Um... Ingrid is I um I was so confused on her motive part of her motive was she she honestly is just a mentally Ill, ill person that wants friends but has no clue how to make that connection yeah but then she also does a lot of selfish acts and there's one point where Dan sits there and goes you only look out for yourself you only look out for yourself so then the first motive that I just mentioned then becomes a deeper one of does she just want friends for self glorification is it actually about making friends and having a connection? Or is it just about the, like, the ego boost she gets for herself yeah. having that many friends? See, I think, I think, and this is where the movie's message is probably way darker than people want to think about it as. Because, like, she's, like, 
older. Like, she's not a, this isn't about, like, a troubled teenager. This is about a troubled adult. So I feel like a lot of it started with, like, mental illness and then unhealthy, like, adolescent obsessions with social media, with, like, you know, these powerful people. And then it just kind of snowballed into, like, this just kind of becoming her personality and this really only, her knowing the only connection that she's aware of is through this because clearly she doesn't have a relationship with her family that's like substantial and even if she did they're mostly dead by the by the beginning of the movie so yeah i yeah that's that's another thing i thought of is like granted the actions she does are way over the top but a lot of the things she was doing stuff reminded me of like how i view teenagers now yeah it's like they're obsessed with social media if they get a comment from someone they're following they think they're like friends or like they know who they are yeah. and it's like they they don't they don't know you they don't know but i feel like if they met the person they're following in real life these teenagers they would like wave and be like you you responded to me don't you know who i am it's and ingrid it's like, by the way the, yeah it's ingrid <laughs> by the it's the delusion that you that teenagers kind of grow out of but it just seems like she was stunted like yeah. something happened where she didn't come to that realization that what reality actually is in terms of conne- connection stuff like that i don't know if it's mental illness honestly part of me was thinking she just got like kicked in the head by a horse and when she was like 16 that was like one theory i was running with and she got scarlet she, fever she, at a young age and it caused like yeah. brain damage <laughs> well one side note i do want to make this this is probably completely irrelevant um aubrey plaza completely bare without makeup looks incredibly hispanic but the second you put eyeliner on she looks like a white person <laughs> it's probably like I, the dark like, eyes she was sitting there in the sane asylum just completely barefaced. I was like, you actually look Hispanic. Because she speaks Spanish fluently, I believe. She's like proper Hispanic. Oh, okay. But I didn't, like yeah, every no. time I see her. Yeah, every time you see her. Because she looks white. She looks white with the eyes. Also, her it's name nuts. is Aubrey Plaza. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That doesn't but scream yeah, ethnic side. to me. It's, it's my side no is i was just like wow very hispanic and then suddenly not hispanic yeah well so and then she she goes blonde like dirty blonde for most of this movie she, to look she, like taylor which i fought with myself if it was a wig or her actual hair throughout the entirety of the movie i think it's her actual hair but the 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 part kept sliding it kept oh, sliding maybe. in between takes oh maybe it is a wig but also, I didn't know because it was very well blended. Yeah. I have no idea. Bravo to the wig people. I think the whole the whole wig. costume department did a pretty good job on this, especially capturing like influencer the lifestyle. California aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Especially doing it with such a limited cast too, because a big thing yeah. with like shooting something in a place like California and with people who are influencers is like usually you have to back that up with like a large quantity of people to like show. And there's really only like one one like big party scene, which I think is also pretty cool. Because if you think about cool adults, like every adult kind of has like close knit friends. Like it's not really like high school or like early in college where it's like you know people have a lot of have a lot of like status and friends because you see them with a bunch of people all the time. But like it's much more close knit when you get older and stuff. So with them, it's all about like this like even higher level of exclusivity that like creates this like endless pissing contest that i just feel like feeds even more into this just like bullshit kind of like manifest destiny type shit that they're chasing after that doesn't really exist yeah. and they they touch on that a little bit with so taylor i wasn't expecting taylor to get like a backstory at all i was yeah. very shocked that taylor got a whole backstory of how she was like just a sorority like basic chick yeah and she moved to california <clears throat> and like redesigned herself to be more interesting because i think she was she was upset with the fact that she was kind of a loser nobody yeah dis- despite being you know you know high seniority what was the word you just said influential exclusive oh yeah like from where yeah yeah from where she came yeah but then moving to california she realized oh that didn't matter yeah and she's actually a loser yeah. i loved that that was a nice touch that honestly it didn't need to be in the movie but it works but it gave it just a, yeah it works and it gives it gives a nice little parallel that and that it brings the characters to become a foil of each other yeah and they also way. bring it full circle too when ingrid confronts taylor at the very end and she's like but i'm just like you and taylor's like no you're not just like me <laughs> yeah it's you you can you can do these things in a healthy way it's fine to reinvent yourself it's fine to you know i guess make up lies to 
bring yourself up higher. So it, everybody does that. Everybody kind of like skirts around things, tries to hide, hide things from their past in order to better themselves. But it's in the matter that you do it. And um, Ingrid does it in like full psychotic fashion, like you said. And then Taylor was kind of like how you do it healthfully to get yeah. better. Um, it's a good movie. Yeah, I think I think it also gets cleverness points by tackling that concept, which has been done a lot of times in movies. But this is, I think, what it's utilizing like the modern era, like technology, Instagram influencers, yeah. that community, that thing that exists that we literally couldn't make a movie like this up until now because that didn't exist until until these like times. So I think yeah. that it's cool to take this and like execute it as well as it did because you can definitely make i mean like you get like movies like Cyberbully, that are like <laughs> you know rooted in like they have like a deep message about you know the toxicity about being online and like the way people utilize it but it's but it's trying more so hard yeah it's trying so hard to be serious where this movie like has a really really good tone between like a, like i said it's a it's like one of the darkest dark comedies that i usually can think of when it comes to like psychological like humor Mm-hmm. that's like kind of fucked up because it's definitely grounded in reality and it has messages that are important and are like kind of impactful but the movie's a joke and the movie knows it's a joke and everything that it does it like it is fully leaning over and to over dramatize things in every possible fashion so i feel yeah. like that that to me is why i start to enjoy it because it's more than just look at social media look at these people pretending to be who they aren't yeah it one of the things while watching this movie is i was i was paying very close attention to kind of the writing style and trying to kind of like imagine how this movie got written i i honestly feel it was written start to finish with no outline because it it felt very much like a, a like a good creative writing exercise where it's okay i have this character i'm putting them in this situation and let's write until i write myself into a hole and then write away out of it right yeah. away out of it right away out of it and it's very well done um yeah. with everything but this is a good exercise of like how how you start with an idea and you run with it and and work your way out of it and i because everything that happens it doesn't feel planned but it feels natural and i wonder too if if aubrey, i probably should have looked this stuff up before but i didn't have time i wonder if like aubrey plaza and stuff was like attached to this before because it does kind of feel like at least some of the like the dialogue is like kind of written around her or at least performed mm-hmm. around her natural like screen presence and yeah. i feel like that can't be on like a coincidence because uh, like i feel like aubrey plaza is so purposefully put into things yeah. like nobody's just like oh She's not one of those like throwaway actors or actresses. I feel like I feel like people are very conscious when they cast her for things. So mm-hmm. like for something like this and for how like consistent the tone is with every other character, I feel like it, she her her casting has to have something to do with the writing. I agree. I agree. Should we look it up now? We have time. We're making good time. Oh yeah, we can. I have to call. Um, I do want to talk about. I want those red overalls that she has for like a third of the movie. <laughs> there are these beautiful maroon overalls that I I I've never wanted overalls more in my life. Are you sure? I feel like I've actually heard you say that multiple times. <laughs> well, that's what everybody says. They're like, I swear you said you wanted overalls, and I'm like, I never have. You're a liar. You can't prove it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Bill Murray is listed in the very special thanks section of the credits. Nice. What? Ari Plaza says that while she and Murray were filming a glimpse inside the mind of Charlie Swan III, he gave her his dark blue sweater when she became ill. She wears it in the bank scene and the tropical restaurant scene. And he got a credit for that. He got a credit for loaning out a sweater. Yeah, welcome to executive producing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see here. It's mostly just like, oh, do you own this building? Okay, cool. (laughs) There you go. There's a credit. Um... husband Ezra. I don't see anything. There's hardly any trivia on this. I guess I'm not surprised. It's kind of like one of those. I don't even know. I think it's it's, I want to say it's it's like almost an indie, like as close to the indie as you can get these days. Yeah. Because like cheap ass indie movies don't really exist anymore. Yeah. So, um. Well, oh, this movie does take place in Venice, which is pretty cool. Venice, California, which is like pretty notorious for like a bunch of the influencers and stuff live over there. It's um, over by the beach. And I want to say she lives in the canals, which are pretty cool. It's like a nice area. I find find this very interesting that this is pre-pandemic influencers, which I didn't really become aware of the influencer epidemic until 
COVID when nobody had a job. So that's what everybody started doing was becoming a freaking influencer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this, this like saw it coming. So I feel like it's more relevant now because like lots of people didn't go back to their jobs. They're like, I'm an influencer now. I have like 10K followers. I'm making 50 cents a week. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, move to Venice and pay $50,000 for a, a house on the canals. God. Yeah, no, this... I, I think that this this does... I don't know. Like I said, I and I'm not usually somebody who likes bringing social media into, like, the entertainment biz. Like, I don't usually like movies that talk about it or, like, have a whole lot to do with it. Because most of the time, it's just very ankle-deep. It's very clear, like, most of, the, most of the fucking messages are like, wake up, sheeple, get off your phones. And it's like, yeah, yeah. we get it. We don't need more movies about that. So something yeah. like this, I feel like it's it's layered enough, which is weird to say because it doesn't feel like a movie that's layered. I um, heard that. Yeah, I think the whole goddamn state heard it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is an emergency. <laughs> but um, no, I like that it captures. I like that it captures the toxicity from both sides of it too. Like it captures how like Taylor's whole life is kind of like this like shallow like picture of what she would actually like it to be like her and Ezra don't get along her brother's a nutcase and like Ingrid is the same way like they don't she's not who they think they are she's aspiring to be them even though that they aren't who that she thinks they are and like it's just this like just big crazy circle of this like bullshit that I feel like is pretty pretty applicable to a lot of things specifically in California would you say no I feel I mean it's probably worth, I mean, it's with anybody who's getting into, like, influencer-esque stuff. I feel like, so California's probably the most common because that's where most people go with that attitude. But I feel mm -hmm. like you can run into that anywhere. Like, I feel like even in, like, small towns, like in Michigan, like, you don't have, like, that influencer, like, circle or, like, that exclusivity. But you definitely see people who want to be that and who yeah. are willing to do anything to be that or to feel like they are that person. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's cool that you see both sides of it, where it's most of the time you get one specific perspective. And this is, it's, it's open to a lot of interpretation. And even with this, I never felt it was, one of the messages was um, anti-social media. It, Not if anything, at all. it kind of, yeah, yeah it, it painted it as like, social media is super nice, but you have to remember there is a danger to it. And that's where... Um, Ingrid's character comes in where it's like, yeah, these people do exist. I mean, look at one that comes to mind is like Christina Grimmy, um, who was, I think she was on The Voice or like American Idol, where someone became so obsessed with her that he shot her in the face and she's gone now. Rest yeah. in peace, honestly. Um, but that's like one of the things that can happen is people people get delusional about this thing that they don't realize that these people are so out of your realm they don't know that you exist, and frankly, they probably don't even care that you exist. Yeah. All they care about is the number. But at the same time, I am happy for those people that are making a success out of this. I never look at it bad. It's yeah. Just, I feel bad for the people that follow that type of thing and aren't aware of the reality of it. Yeah. Which is what I think is cool because this this doesn't specifically say liking influencers is good or bad being an influencer is good or bad like it's all yeah. very situational where it's like these are just very deeply injured and broken people yeah like just trying to figure it out like a lot of other people are and they're just going through this kind of weird weird event yeah um we didn't bring up my my, my second favorite character which is uh billy magnus and nikki her brother who comes in and just like fucks shit up halfway through the movie I, I did love how much Ingrid hates Nikki and how, like, everybody kind of hates Nikki so much. So, I mean, but look at him. That, that, that to me... Oh, I would hate him. I feel like... Uh, I don't know if that's an L.A. thing like or just, like, a rich kid thing. But no, like, I feel like we've all met somebody like Nikki. Yeah. At least once in our life. No well, all somebody who up. has a, a sibling like Nikki. Like, it's not even like I've met... Like, I have met him, but he's also been related to somebody that I know yeah. as well. And you have to put up with them because yeah. they're related to your friend. And you're like, oh, but this guy fucking sucks. Oh, I don't. I'd be like, can you remove your brother? <laughs> can you remove please? him, please? Um... Yeah, so he shows up halfway through the movie um, to kind of just, like, stir the pot. He's kind of, like, the, the climax, almost. And this was what I was talking about, where it felt like a creative writing, where, like, I felt the story myself kind of start to get a little stale. And yeah. I feel like the writer did as well, so he's like, I need to write somebody in. So he wrote in Nikki. 
Yeah. And it's it still feels natural because of course she has a brother. Of yeah, course she right, comes from right, a rich exactly. Family. I, like I, if, that's one of those movies. That's why like this is one of those movies that like it gets a lot of cleverness points. And it's like kind of like when we were saying it's in a different way when we were talking about like the caricature set up in Color Out of Space. But it's like when your entire movie is kind of pivoting around like inciting incidents, it's okay mm-hmm. to like kind of drum up the like the cartooniness in your characters so that way yeah. things have a place to bounce off of. Like not everything yeah. has to be like so serious and so grounded in realism because if any of these characters were like real people, this movie wouldn't work at all. Yeah, these these are not these are not real. I mean, they are real. They're characters of like people you've seen or heard of or maybe even interacted with. But yeah, it's very cartoony, but told completely straight. Like even Taylor, who is kind of like the straight man of the movie. No, I would say Ezra is the straight man. Yeah, he's yeah. the only one that seemed like a real dude. Well, that's what I think is funny too, and I feel like that's where like the satire in this gets like cut so deep because like <laughs> I remember the first time when they were talking about Ezra's paintings. Because like obviously Ezra's whole thing is he's a painter, but he's like afraid to sell. He doesn't want to sell out. He's afraid to like show his art to people. And his art is, like, basically just stock photos with hashtags written on them. In, like, acrylic paint. Yeah, and everybody's like, whoa, these are good. Like, these are really profound. Oh, it's... And it's... They didn't... I loved how they went hard with it. They went the... Cli- every single cliched hashtag you've ever thought yeah, of Yeah, they in your leaned life. into it. I feel like that's what, that's what I'm saying. That's why the satire in this movie works. Because yeah. there's like a, like you said, there's a fine line to ride when you're playing up comedy like this, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing something as dated as social media. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the equivalent to like, you know, the flip phone shit back in the day. Like that stuff dates way yeah. really quickly when like 10 years in the future. So that's why I feel like leaning really hard into like the tropes and the cheesiness of it is what kind of makes it timeless. Yeah. Even though it's giving itself an expiration date by being this kind of movie. Um, because everybody's gonna remember their Facebook mom using hashtag blessed and all of the yeah exactly Facebook yeah yeah it's never for gonna like really we go got a good away. forty years before it dates yeah fully. yeah yeah I also just I I mean as somebody who personally just fucking hates social media I like that you come away from this movie just feeling really icky yeah <laughs> like you just feel bad after watching it and it's like it's not like it's not like bad where I like watch something disturbing. And I'm like disturbed and I have to sit with that and process it for the rest of the day. But I just kind of feel like, wow, that's that's real. <laughs> that that's just, that is real life. <laughs> I wanna I wanna talk about the ending. Yes. Cause I, I have some issues with the ending. I figured you um, would. You know you know me. I love I love a good hard line, everything's <laughs> over, everything sucks. You know, if people aren't bleeding out and, like, disemboweling themselves by the end of the movie, I'm not happy. Uh, This movie does... I want to say it cheated. I feel like they wrote the first ending, and the first ending is she posts... uh, What's it? I I don't even have a Facebook, so is it a live? Is it Instagram? It's an Instagram live feed. It's an... She was doing an Instagram live where it's... She over over the course of the movie, she gains followers by faking her life by just mimicking Taylor, and she actually gains a decent amount of success and following from it. Um, and then after the confrontation with Taylor, where Taylor finds out through her brother Nikki um, that she has been fully stalking Taylor, she kind of has a mental breakdown um, and decides to do a live after her powers cut, after she's out of money, all this kinds of stuff. Does a live confessing that everything she has done has been completely fake. Um, and she's not actually this person. She openly admits she's severely mentally ill, which I really liked that she is like aware. And then she says, I don't know how to fix it, which is a common problem in mental illness where it's like you have the a lot of times there is no fixing it. And if you are so severely mentally ill, you don't even know where to begin. And on the live... She's crying, and then she you see her pick up the bottle of pills, which I saw coming. I was like, she's either going to shoot herself in the head, or she's going to take some pills. And she picks up the pills, she downs the pills, she washes it down with beer on the live, posts it, lays down in a bed of candles, <laughs> which is so over the top. I know. It's Ingrid. What do you expect, though? It is Ingrid. She's the queen of melodrama. But she lays down in a bed of candles, and she closes her eyes, and it, f- it it cuts to black just long enough. 
And I thought, yes, yes. And then I hear Ingrid and I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no. I wanted her to die. I wanted her to die so bad because to me, that would have been the phenomenal ending of her realizing that there is no out. She is severely mentally ill. She's dug herself into such a hole and she's just going to keep repeating because this is her what cycle. I mean, we only see it as the second cycle she's done, but yeah. who knows how many oh, other yeah, times she's done Oh yeah, there's definitely been more. There's no way you just start off doing this. And it's, it's, like, I wanted it to, and not that I'm saying that, you know, killing yourself is an out. I, I realize that's where this is going, but in the case of specifically this character, it felt so true to what it would actually be if there was a realization to be had. She openly admitted on her live she doesn't know how to fix it. She doesn't know what to do. She said all the things that says this is the end. And it should have ended. And then it cuts to... Dan having the the landlord slash lover was following her Instagram feed and saw the live and called the cops, um, got her sent to the hospital, got her stomach pumped, wheels in on a Batman decked out mobility scooter and goes, I saved you, bitch. And then <laughs> hover like that, his hover round. <laughs> and then it, it cuts to like all these gifts in the hospital. And they're like, you have lots of followers now. Everybody likes you. Hashtag I am Ingrid. That's one of the things she says in her live is hashtag I am Ingrid. It's supposed to say, you know, what she really is. And I'm just like this. It felt like you had a message and then you took it away. You took it all away. It started to say that we should not glorify mental illness because it can actually be a problem and it should be looked at severely. And then it turned it into mental illness. Wow, everybody loves crazy people, which we do love crazy people, but we should also treat them seriously. And for, I'll include myself, get me and everybody else the help that they need to not be crazy and then glorified and continue to do stupid things like this. But that's why the ending's so good. No! Yeah, no, because I felt the same way when it cuts to black. I was like, holy shit, is she just gonna die? Is that gonna be it? And then it cuts back into the hospital room and I was like, ah, damn it, no, now it's gonna be some stupid bullshit ending. But I love it because the last shot when she's like reading all the comments and stuff, it's just this very eerie like dolly in on her with just like the phone illuminating her face and it's like, Ingrid won. <laughs> Ingrid fucking it, won. <laughs> it, she's it, it, mad it nuts, is. she's crazy as fuck, she shouldn't win, but she won. And I feel like, it, for me it works because I, I mean, Ingrid's a villain. Like, you oh, essentially yeah. you follow the villain of this story, and there are moments where you kind of forget that she's the villain, and especially at the end. Which is a sign of a good anti-hero. Yeah, you forget that she's a villain, but then that wraps it up that's, like, the, that's, who he, that's who she is, though. Yeah. Like, that's, I feel like that's, that is kind of the message, that, that toxicity is just kind of there forever. Like, she's not gonna get like, better, she's not gonna change, it's only gonna get worse. And, and perhaps, you know, society is going to continue to glorify these types of things that happen um, without realizing the severity of the nature where it's like, yeah, if people are this severe, look at, look at how many times on Instagram or like Facebook or whatever, where we see people with tons of followers and they end up like abusing their kids. Yeah. I mean, look at fucking and, Tiger King. That's an entire, oh, yeah. it's That's an entire one. following of just people pointing fingers at a potential murderer. Yeah. And being like, isn't he a hero? Yeah. No, and not really. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, I mean it, it he definitely. He drugged a bunch of people with meth, but okay. Yeah, but I feel like, and I feel like that's why I like the ending because at the end of the day, to me, like I said, like I, I think social media is just kind of inherently toxic. Like I just, at this point, I don't think there's any way for it to not be unhealthy for people. So yeah. for me to come away from this movie and feel like icky and gross about it, but also feel like the movie came full circle. I feel like that that's the sign that it did a pretty good job of what it was trying to do with the messages that it was rolling with. Because so you, there's almost yeah. like a frustration, because you almost have like a frustration at the end of it. That she won. That yeah, she I hear won. Yeah. And I, I, I like I, that. I like that that's, because I feel like that's where it should go. If she just killed herself at the end, then it would have been just kind of, it almost would have been too nice and neat. Like... Ingrid's too problematic to just be able to wrap it up with a suicide. She needs to, like, go out with a bang and then be dramatic and come back in. Like, that's her character. That's how they, that's how they set it up for the whole movie. So it's gotta be. True, because if anything, this is... We are just witnessing, like, 
we're, we're witnessing two rebirth cycles. So the movie opens with her showing up at a wedding, spraying somebody in the face. <laughs> the with bride. Mace. The bride. She sprays. She maces the bride in the face. Maces, says, "Thanks for inviting me, you fucking cunt." <laughs> <laughs> and then walks out. I don't know how you don't think this movie's quotable. <laughs> and then we get some splash cuts of her getting tackled, and then she's in an insane asylum where she did, quote unquote, die. Yeah. And like rebirth herself and got better. So maybe, maybe all packaged in with that little like suicide and then the comeback. Yeah, we're just, we're watching a cycle thing yeah. happen. It yeah. started it off. Like, it paints you exactly where the movie was supposed to go, which honestly I thought was a fake out. When I saw that opening, I thought it was going to be all flashbacks of how she got there. Oh, like, yeah, no. They do a good job like, of just being like, this is it. Yeah. Part of me thought, like, oh, that's her lover. Like, she she's a lesbian and that bride is her... <laughs> like, I, I thought it was going to go that route. Like, I don't, I don't know. I had no idea what this movie was about. You were just like, you have to watch this movie. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, I mean, because it's like, it is one of those movies where it's like, I don't know. It's definitely not a movie that I tell people about. I just go watch it. If you're into it, you're into it. If you're not into it, you're not into it. But it's pretty great. I would definitely say it's like a kind of like a modern must see if you're into like these kind of like lower budget weird movies. And like yeah. I said, this is probably like it's it's almost like I said it's almost a horror movie. Like the villain I would say it is. What'd you say? She steals a dog. And part of me thought she was going to kill the dog. Like, I thought she was going to get so yeah, jealous but it's of the like, dog she was going to kill But like, it. it's creepy to think about, like, how based in reality that is. And the fact that she gets away with it. You understand why she gets away with it. Like, if you, like, think about it. If you had a character kill themselves or attempt to kill themselves at, an end of, at the end of a movie, like, 20 years ago. And the ending was them getting, like, a bunch of fans nobody would understand that that would not land at all yeah. that's that's an ending that's a character that can only work now because of like the way modern day society is yeah so you got here give... nowadays it's like if anybody like beats a suicide attempt i can't think of a better way to phrase that but like no matter if tiger king tried to kill himself right now yeah and he got his stomach pumped and survived even the people that know he's crap would be like, wow, what a brave soul. You <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. He's, he's got a second shot. Yeah, exactly. And I'd be like, he should have taken more. He should have swallowed a bullet instead. <laughs> so yeah, I, I hear what you're coming, uh, where you're coming from in terms of the metaphor and how it paints paints a reflection onto reality. It's just in terms of the packaging of a movie. Oh yeah, that's where I it, it falters because it's like, what even really is this as a movie experience? Like, you know what I mean? It kind of feels like yeah. a, a bit of a mini-series, but it's not a big enough story to be a mini-series. Yeah. But it's, like, it's definitely cutting it close, making it a feature film. Yeah. But, and it, boy, it's it's an hour 30 exact. Yeah, it slides credits, in real close. The credits are, like, eight minutes, and they are slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> they, they slowed those credits down so much. But, I mean, I, I don't really... Um, see, I feel like this is going to be, like, uh, someone's going to be able to pull me saying the exact opposite from, like, an episode, like, ten episodes ago. But, I mean, I guess we... If we had any listeners. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> it, but, um, no, I, I think that's that's something I like when it comes to concise movies. It, what, it's not always about, like, how long or short a movie is. It's kind of about, like, how you use that time. So, it's, like, with this... Or like a movie like Raw or something like that that has like a, a very short film-esque concept to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't mind when it like is a shorter movie if it's filling that time really well. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, there's a reason that you made this a feature-length film and not a short story or like a short movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because there's a lot of points where it's like you get these concepts for these long-ass movies and you're like, why is this two hours long? This yeah. doesn't, you don't need that much time to tell this story and you're not really filling that time with anything additional. Where it's like here, I feel like every single second that you're seeing something on screen, it's either entertaining or it's moving the plot forward or it's, you know, visually compelling yeah. or it's interesting in some way. So I don't really feel like I'm wasting time watching the movie. Yeah, I feel I feel like you and I are mirroring each other because you said the the opposite about raw where you said where like a lot of it was it kind of meandered a little bit and you had a problem with the pacing yeah yeah with raw 
this the, I did not have a problem with the pacing of Raw, but I think it's like what we talked about um, with I forget what movie it was, but it was that foreign fascination that I mentioned. Gotcha. Where it's because yeah. it was a French film, I was so like, this is beautiful, this is art, yeah. but it's just like, I'm ignorant. That's exactly what it painted <laughs> into. <laughs> or this is an American movie, and I found myself bored um, for for parts of it. I felt like, do we need this? Do we, you know, yeah. there's not a lot happening. We're on our fourth montage of the movie. Like, it, I'm getting to a point where I would like to see more crazy stuff happen. Like, if if you have such a psycho character as Ingrid, I honestly wanted, like, I, I hate this movie to death, but I wanted, like, shots, like, in the Joker where he just randomly gets in the fridge. Like, I wanted something like that. <laughs> shots of her in her apartment doing fair. some weird fucko shit. Yeah, fair. Instead of her out with Taylor. <laughs> one of my one of my fucking favorite scenes. It's such a stupid, stupid point, but when she goes to buy the beer and the toilet paper when she's running out of money, oh, she, <laughs> she only has and is like she's like, You don't have enough money and she's like, dude, it's Halloween, can you just give it to me? And he's just like, nah. <laughs> so she throws the toilet paper at him and takes the beer. <laughs> Which First, I, the, the comedy cut of her, so there's a point where she's fighting with, like, consumers or something about shutting off her power, and she's taking, like, a dump. Like, <laughs> Hardcore dump. She is pooping. And she hangs up the phone with consumers, and she goes to grab the toilet paper. She's out of toilet paper because she's broke. And she looks at the floor, and there is the book that she read purposefully because Taylor mentioned the that it's her favorite park. book. And she wipes her ass with it, and then it is just beautiful spot on editing of like almost mid wipe to a just is it a smash cut when it's like super quick yeah of her plunging the toilet with the exact same framing of everything <laughs> and it's um. I, because you can't use to books as a toilet paper you'll fuck up your pipe especially if you already don't have plumbing <laughs> yeah if you're not getting water <laughs> to you this, yeah nothing. you're just pushing a dry shit down dry pipes <laughs> I do what also think I do also think when um since we brought up the book uh when it comes to Taylor's backstory so oh, when yeah, I when yeah. I quoted her her bed and breakfast thing Desert Door it's from apparently her favorite book The Deer Park but then you find out partway through that it's actually her husband's favorite book and that Taylor's never even read it and I feel like that's another really awesome like just like link in this like cycle of bullshit that everybody is just kind of trapped in yeah because it's like even like the, the genuine stuff Ingrid was trying to connect to Taylor with isn't even real. Like for either yeah. of them. Like their entire relationship is completely fake. So you just have this, it's it's like people trying to walk, walk on glass bridges. It's like just awful. Yeah. I don't know what that analogy was. I guess since you kept bringing up the California theme, I guess I could look at it as like people trying to be what they think moving to California is like as opposed to what it's actually like which is you're literally just a person who now lives in California <laughs> like you don't move here and suddenly like you have this like bump in Instagram you're not meeting celebrities all the time like you know there are normal people that live here too and have to be normal all the time so I feel like that that's kind of probably one of the themes of people like moving out just to any any big city or whatever with just ideas of moving making them into a different person and that's like not how it works yeah but you see the characters that try and it just becomes this giant facade yeah i don't know i i i snapped you i was like this is gonna be the hardest movie that i'm gonna have to like talk about and review because i'm i'm very conflicted part part of me really likes the movie part of me thinks it's great but part of me also see it it, in my personal opinion, it has some very big flaws. Part of it is the pacing. I think the pacing is a little... It needed some more... Something. It, it never, needs stuff. It needs yeah. events. Like, it's it, a lot of people just hanging out. Yeah. I kept looking at the runtime because, y- you know, you can gauge where the climax is supposed to happen. It happens yeah. tail end, third act. Um, or, ta- like, between the second and third act. And I paused it when I had a vague inclination that the climax was happening. And sure enough, I was at that mark and I was like, this is the climax? Yeah. Like, this is, this is it? I was, I, the whole time the stairs, I mean, granted, Aubrey Plaza just looks like this, but the stairs Ingrid was giving people was like, I was waiting for her to actually kill somebody. And honestly, when I, the that, crowbar they hit. That would have been great. 
the the crowbar hitting Nikki, I wanted her to keep beating him. Like, just keep killing him because... And it would make sense for the character. He threatened her lie. Yeah. He threatened her possibility. It would make sense that she would snap on that. Yeah. I wonder, so... Because I I agree, I do think that would have been a cool, darker element. But I wonder if this movie pulls back because... Like, because there's moments where I feel like hitting like a level of moderation is what works best like as a story because like if you go too intense then it's like not relatable at all if it's too mild then it's like what's the point of this i feel like i I agree it definitely could have had a better climax but i feel like i did like it because it's a very contained climax because it only is important to her like it's not and this because this isn't a movie about like uh, like uh, it's not about everybody it's not about the world it's not about family it's about ingrid going west yeah. <laughs> yeah, this movie does not apply to anybody yeah this movie doesn't really work for anyone else so i i feel like doing it that way i don't know i lost my train of thought but <laughs> oh wait yeah we were talking no, we were talking about the, the contained ending sorry no but i feel like like having it that way it, it makes it it almost gives me like this weird sense of anxiety because it almost feels like more is at stake because if it were a giant, like if she had murdered him, then like she's a killer now. So she's going to have to deal with the penalties of doing something as drastic as murdering someone. And you know what I mean? And then that, that like deviates away from anything that is relatable to the viewer, which is fine. But I liked it here because him blackmailing her just with her weird obsession with his sister I feel yeah. like just feels more relatable because it's it's such a small it's such a small thing. The stakes are so low and a lot of it would be solved if Ingrid were just herself from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and true. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't I don't think Ingrid should ever be herself ever. Hey, um, I, I just took just 14 find- pictures of your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, when, so there is a point where Nikki, Taylor's brother, gets Ingrid's phone and goes through it and sees how much she's been stalking Taylor. Um, And he's talking about all the stuff she found. And I do want to take a moment to talk about, I don't know if it was intentional because, again, it's very hard to gauge Audrey Plaza's acting level um, (laughs) because it's, it's, it's impossible. I'm still, I still have no idea if she's a good actress and I don't think I ever will know. (laughs) Uh, But there is a moment where he's saying all this stuff and she's responding back with that's just a joke like no we're just friends and like the subtlety to the delivery of the lines it's creepy it was such a fine line of i couldn't tell if these are lies she's coming up with with on the spot or if these are things she actually believes yeah that it is just a joke that they are just friends that you know that's just a silly thing that they do yeah and i'm like bravo bravo miss audrey (laughs) well done this this felt like I don't mean this as um, presumptuous as it is, but this felt like the closest level to um, a, an Oscar. Le- I don't want to give her an Oscar, but it felt like Aubrey Plaza actually trying. Right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like the because again, like I said, I feel like people give her like a half purpose. She's almost like a character actor in a way where people cast yeah. her just to be that person that everybody knows her as like they just go i want like her character in like legend of korra that she voice acts it's literally april ludgate but just in avatar you know what i mean like she's very lethargic and uninterested and gloomy and dark and weird and And obsessed with the with uh what's his name bolin bolin yeah (laughs) bolin for soup (laughs) 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 um uh, yeah, so she like does the exact same thing there, and like it's a fun character, and I, I mean I like I always like dry humor, so I'm always gonna find it like funny. But yeah, I don't think that's something that's out of Aubrey Plaza's range. Like I don't think she has to act very hard to make that work, yeah. especially when people are casting her just with the intention for her to do that. Where here I yeah. liked it because I did like that she has to have some kind of range, even though it's a range within that like Aubrey Plaza typecasting, but it's still like a level of her having to actually act and like emote and do things and react to things. Like she's a a character. She's a real person in this movie, even though she's not like any person I've ever come into contact with, (laughs) thank God. But like, (laughs) you know, she's not like a deranged sociopath with no emotions. Like, and it's it's not, her emotions don't like, because I feel like especially in Parks and Rec, there gets to a point where like, April just becomes kind of weirdly 
emotional just because she's been around so long in the show and like with all the characters so it kind of seems out of place where this it's a good balance between like this person's just fucking nuts yeah and like the the emotion she has to have like sort of hyperized emotions throughout the movie but it never felt unnatural for the level of psychosis that the character has yeah even when moments when she's like crying alone in the bathroom for literally no reason yeah it felt like a completely natural like depressive episode yeah and it felt like natural ugly crying which i i love i love a good natural cry from an actor I don't, <laughs> dude i don't know if she does cry sticks or if she can just actually do that i would be curious to know i don't know she is so candid in this movie though there are points where she just looks foul like <laughs> she allowed she let herself go to her absolute worst for this role and bravo because <laughs> there are some foul moments and some foul shots of aubrey plaza in this fucking movie <laughs> Well, like I said, when she's in the insane asylum, I've never seen her look actually Hispanic except for that <laughs> moment. It's like, Jesus. Not that Hispanic people are foul. Can you cut that? No, absolutely not. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> no, no. My dad's, Cuba. My dad's from Cuba. Dad, I'm sorry. It's not what I meant. I talked You don't dumb. understand. I talked dumb. Um, but... Yeah, I, I'm still on the fence of what what I want to rate this movie. Should I go into my rating? Yeah, yeah, go. I was just about to ask if you're ready to go into your rating. Now, the rating I'm about to give is just because I'm so conflicted. And it does not mean whether I think the movie is a good or bad movie. It's just to reflect my emotional state. I'm going to give it... Um, 30 clogged toilets with a book out of 60. Clogged okay. Toilets with a book. So it is right down the middle. Right just down because the middle. I'm not mad that I saw it. I'm happy I saw it. I will never watch it again. <laughs> but also, good God, is this a unique take. <laughs> but also, li- like a clogged toilet, it can be unclogged and it could swing in the other direction. You could catch me next week going, I rewatched Ingrid. Yeah, I was about West, to say, this and- doesn't sound like a person who's not going to rewatch this movie, especially since you I bought know. it. I feel like you know, well, within a week, I'm going to hear you be like, I'm, I'm watching Ingrid Goes West. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it, it was $3.99 to rent the movie or $4.99 to buy the movie. Now, half of my body is Dutch, which means I love a good deal. <laughs> So I went a dollar more to just buy it? Hell yeah. I mean, fair. You might as well. I mean, if you're going to rent it anyway, you might as well. That's what I would have done. I might as well buy it for another. I'll probably make somebody watch it. I'll probably, I have to go over to a friend's house. I'll be like, we're logging into my Amazon. You all have to suffer with me. So cute that you buy movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's so patronizing. (laughs) I know. Oh, look at you! Precious, bless your heart. You know, I don't, I hate to be this person. I wonder if you're just too much of a millennial for this movie. I feel like I feel like this is like you got to have some some more Gen Z level. And I'm right on the cusp of millennial. I'm 94, yeah. baby. Yeah, like I am right there. I think you might be tipping too far in the millennial to to fully embrace it. Here's what I think that happened. My dad was ancient when I was born. So my dad is 66 years old and I am only 27. Your dad was 40 when you were born? Somewhere along those lines. I can't believe he was still so, shooting fucking loaded rounds. Good job, Tony. So, so I a heavy dose of boomer energy <laughs> when I was born, which Fair. I think swung me further up the millennial Yeah, timeline. definitely. That sounds about right. And my brother's also nine years older than me, so I basically had two boomers living in my yeah. life and my psychotic mother. So, like, I think there's a reason I am the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason I am the way I am. Well, I, I will give this... Um, Seven squad goals out of ten. Squad goals. Squad goals. I can we get matching horse paintings that say squad. I will. I will personally paint squad goals on it and mail yes. it to you. Okay. Well, we gotta take. We gotta do like a Walmart blow up image from Google. Like, it's gotta be a stock <laughs> photo. We can't like go take I, a picture of horses. I I frequent flea markets. I was just gonna keep out keep an eye out for horse. Oh paintings. yeah, yeah. Just keep an eye out for horse paintings. And then just write squad goals. I'll give you twelve hundred dollars for it. 
Yes! It's Sasha, by the way. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna message my dad. Kendall College Art School didn't work out, but I made 1,200 grand. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is good. <laughs> this is really fame. good. You're talented. Squad goals. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> what is your rating, Sasha? Even though you've seen this movie so many times. I said it, Did you give your Yeah, rating? I said it's seven squad goals out of ten. I don't think... Oh, we're literally just talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we were. Wow. I feel really unheard in this relationship. I, no, I think it goes back to my father being an absolute dinosaur when he had me. I inherited all the strokes from his <laughs> semen when I was born. <laughs> I inherited hearing loss. <laughs> From my ancient father. <laughs> Ma'am. Would you like to do the ending? <laughs> well, thanks everybody for watching. Sorry the episodes have been kind of late, but we'll have more episodes every week, all the time. Mixed reviews. Goodbye. Hi, it's Ingrid, by the way. <laughs>